Welcome to Rumble Strip, Vermont. Food stamps weren't, they weren't cutting it. We weren't getting through the whole month. We were only getting up to about halfway through the month. But you don't broadcast it because it's embarrassing because we didn't want to be judged or, you know, I mean, you know, we didn't want people to think that we were, that we were poor. <laughs> This is the sound of the Unitarian Church in Montpelier, Vermont, on Monday afternoons. Every day, a different church serves a hot meal in town, and everyone's welcome, but mostly these lunches are for people who don't have enough to eat, and every year, those numbers grow. More and more Vermonters can't afford groceries by the end of the month. The paycheck isn't enough, the food stamps won't stretch, and they're looking to community meals and food shelves for regular help. This is a show about what it feels like when you don't have enough to eat and how to survive when there's too much month at the end of the money. You'll hear from people in food shelves, churches, and community lunches from St. Johnsbury to Bellows Falls, Vermont. Welcome. The wealthy and the poor. Why do you always, you know, feed us so much at a meal and keep saying, have more, have more? And she said, I'm in Vermont with a car. It's not that good. I don't know where I'm going. You want me to travel? So I wound up working at McDonald's. Since there was no no child support, um, we fell behind in the bills. Um, the car got repossessed. The house was going into foreclosure. Uh, and I had no, I, w- I was sinking. I felt like I was sinking. But in the meantime, back then, the only concern I had was making sure that the kids, because they were always hungry. I'm, Mom, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. You know, and, and, and you look at them and you say, I'm doing the best I can, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. Or we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. And then so they, they learned after a while that when you had something to eat, you ate it. <laughs> you didn't throw it away, you didn't waste it, because we didn't know where our next meal was going to come from. Um, it was sad for me to, to see them... Um, adapting to a life that I had never envisioned for them. You know, going hungry in the United States of America, you know, who does that? How does a father walk away from his children? You know, he walks in one day and says, I don't want to be a father and I don't want to be a husband anymore. How do you deal with that? So mom doesn't get to walk away. Somebody's got to be there for him, them. And you're looking at all these little eyes. And then you're hearing them say, I'm hungry, mom. I'm hungry. You know, it's heartbreaking, but you got to be strong because they're depending on you. I quit school when I was 15. And I've had a job ever since, pretty much. Carpentry, your job is always somewhere else. You're building a house somewhere else for somebody else. So. And so I got to the point where I was a, a pretty damn good carpenter and uh, uh, other contractors were kind of bidding for me to come to work to them. And I can't work anymore. I've got a problem with my shoulder. I can't climb a ladder with a 70-pound bundle of shingles. I can't be kneeling on a roof. I have special shoes right now from being on a 10, 12 pitch roof for so many years. So the work that I was good at is the cause of some of my problems now. What do you think the people who don't have any issues with food at all, what do they assume about people who do? People assume that they're, they're lazy and 
don't want to get a job when they don't realize also that there's a, not very many jobs available. <laughs> and what jobs are available, the minimum wage is just barely survivable if you get a 40-hour week. Some have two part-time jobs, but they only pay so many hours a week and they don't get any insurance or any unemployment. So a lot of people like that also are using food shelves, is that true? Yeah, to supplement their their food supply. I mean, their their income is, is like kaput. <laughs> I'm getting food stamps for one person, which is $194. For a week, a month? Of a month. But I go out and I buy family packs of everything. I buy in bulk. And then I separate it into three separate meals. I've got two roommates, and right now I'm not able to pay the full rent that I'm supposed to be paying, but I, get, I can bring in the food for a month. So they've they're covered me for a year now. Every month I'm $250 in the hole. Well, I hope the state is listening to this. <laughs> I'd be homeless if I c couldn't use my food stamps to get me a place to stay, you know. They aren't eligible for food stamps, yet they're paying my share of the rent. Why can't I apply my food towards it? It's a barter system. I would rather trade somebody something I have instead of paying cash for it. You do what you do to get by and survive. There's just not, no spare change, you know. <laughs> Growing up, food was very uh, scarce. A lot of the food would be outdated. A lot of food would be that and nobody else wanted. I want you to have as much as I can give you. And so then I started going to food shelves. I started searching out resources for, for, for food shelves. You know, there were at least six or seven different places that I would go and say I would get cereal or something at one, or they'd have bread at another, and, and then I would be, in my mind, I, would always, I was planning meals, you know. Um, how far is this going to get me, and how far is that going to get me? And I made sure the kids were eating, and if there was anything left, then I got something. If not, I would pop some popcorn, and I'd just let that, you know, a couple cup, uh, cups of popcorn or um, there were a lot of times where we ate moldy bread because I didn't have any money to buy a fresh loaf of bread and this is what we had left. I just pick off the mold and and that's what we did. It's embarrassing. Well, is this embarrassing to recount, to, 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 to remember this? Yeah, because not a lot of people know. You know, like I take pride in myself. I was put in a situation where decisions were made for me about how the rest of my life was going to go, and I didn't have anything to say about it. I didn't get an opportunity to say, I don't want to be a mom. don't want to be a wife or a mother. I was raised Catholic. So when you took your vows, they meant something. So, you know, people used to say, when I used to go for to apply for services, why would you have so many kids? <laughs> and I was like, what was I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, um, I never contemplated being a single mother and raising all my children by myself. That never, that thought never entered my mind. But when I was put into that situation, 
I had to realize, you know, this is reality and I am responsible for taking care of these kids. How much do you think about or do you worry about food? Once in a while we do, but we know we can come down here to have lunch, plus get a little bit of odds and ends off the shelf down here, you know, make ends meet and towards the end of the month because that's when it's toughest for mm-hmm. us. We pay a lot of bills, bills. And everything, and we pay $700 for rent every month and plus a white bill on top of that and heat and hot water and all that's included, thank God, so... So there's not a lot left over. Yep. No. So how do if you had to describe your food life over the course of a month, how does that look? It looks okay, but you know sometimes we get very low on meat. Um, we get low on our pantry stuff a lot, but we do come down here and to grab like odds and ends for a few days, you know, until the first. I've been also learning different techniques how to cook. I used to do microwave ovens, hamburger and lovely hot dogs 24-7, which it's like chewing on a rubber shoe. You know what I mean? And you get sick of chewing rubber because you lose your teeth after a while, see? So how, how are you, what are you learning? Different techniques. Her concoction meals, I watch her, I help her in the kitchen, we wash dishes together, we do things together do a lot of walking. And what do you get when you go with your food stamps? $150 meat boxes. We brought two home this month and uh, carried them home. They weren't lightweight. Yeah, we usually go over, it's called Scratching Den over there, get our odds and ends for the pantry. Yeah, go with our meals. North Walpole. And it's a little bit cheaper there? Yeah, yeah a lot cheaper. Yeah. Scratching Den has like her deodorant, for example, instead of paying like $6.49 a thing on deodorant, when you can get it only for $1.79, seventy-nine, it's scratching that. Wow. Budget our money. Do you ever trade food with other people if you have too much of something and somebody else has something else? No. We give it to them. Yeah. That's the way we got brought up, pretty much, you know, as a child. Give. Don't receive. Give. It's just like the Bible. Do unto those unless you want to be judged in the same measure. I don't even need a Bible in my hand. I could tell you different scripture. But um, we met each other. We're happy together. You know, she met me. She loves me. I love her. And that's all it is to it. And nobody's going to ever hurt her in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourselves going? Like in the future? Yeah. What do you imagine for yourselves? Well, we do a lot of dreaming. It's like that song by Ann Murray, Daydream Believer. You know, we wish we could afford. We wish we had millions of dollars like you see with people with brand new trucks and this and that. We wish we could have a log cabin way out like in Maine and out in the boonies, crank the stereo up, do some dancing, you know, and having a grand old time, you know. How about you? What do you wish? Same thing. I want to do, like, some garden, like, veggies and stuff. Can't do that where we're living now. Flowers, certain flowers, like like a above-ground swimming pool I would like to have, but <laughs> we, we yeah. always dream about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and just have, like, 
cookouts with our family and stuff. And yeah. it's what we just did. Um, we went to her brother's up in Pontney, Vermont, to a 250-pound pig roast, and we had a few beers. I'm not gonna lie about it. We're occasional drinkers. We're not alcoholic drug dealers or nothing like that. We just like our Budweiser. We had um, drunken chicken. Packed the cans up the chicken's butt and let them go. What? How does that work? Drunken chicken, you just open a Budweiser can, put the whole can up, let it cook, and the beer flavors the meat. It's no. a dead chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Sorry. I got divorced in Connecticut. I moved up here with my new wife, and one of my daughters moved up with me, and she became addicted to heroin. So I got depressed off of that, and I went through several jobs, wasn't working. My daughter went back to Connecticut because at that time there was no treatment in Vermont for anything. This was 1990. We had to make use of food shelves and, and going to the churches for the community lunches. I'd have a meal and we were taking care of my mother-in-law who couldn't get there because we didn't have a car at that point. I mean, everything went really south. No phone, you know. So I would get what I could from the food and bring it back for them. We got food stamps the first and only time we had food stamps and it wasn't much then. They were the coupons then so you didn't even want to be seen using them because there was stigma, you know, and, and attached to that. None of the three of us, my, myself, my wife, or her mom, had ever been poor to the point where they didn't have food and now we were to the point where we didn't have food and that food was a constant question and food was a rumbling in your stomach and, and food was, well, what are we going to do tomorrow? I had worked uh, for 18 years at one job, and when that company closed, then I went back to school. I uh, was only able to get an associate's because I had no money to continue, even though I was accepted to continue on for a bachelor's. I had to defer because I had no money. Got a per diem job that I was told would possibly become full-time. A year into that, I got a temp job that I was told would definitely become a full-time job. When it opened up, I was told. So I worked those two jobs overlapping for four years, and they both decided they didn't want me anymore. So then I was back out on the street again with no job, and I've been, you know, applying and interviewing for jobs for almost two years now. And it's been a struggle trying to figure out and borrowing a lot of money to pay bills and <laughs> having no money for food and... You know, I've had a couple of friends who've been nice and bought me some groceries and stuff, but without these lunches, I would be out of food by now. What kind of work are you looking for? Um, preferably office work, but I've applied to, you know, a lot of different jobs as long as I feel I'm qualified for them. And they usually tell me in the interview, when I get an interview, they almost always tell me, oh, you're a great candidate, you'd be great for this job, but we've got to interview a few more people and then we'll get back to you. And they never get back to me. So it's, you know, I, I don't seem to fit whatever that perfect image of an employee is that they're looking for. I don't fit it for one reason or another. But I know I need the job, so I keep doing it. And I go in there and, and try to be upbeat. And, you know, sometimes I end up laughing in the interviews a little bit because it's either laugh or cry, you know. So it's really hard because you feel like I've been doing this for so long. What's the point, you know? Like I said, I just don't seem to fit what they're looking for. 
the first time when you knew? I guess what I'm wondering is, what is the feeling when you think, oh, I'm not going to have enough to eat? It's depressing because, you know, you've always been able to pay your bills and take care of yourself. And now you're like, okay, something's got to give somewhere. Yes, I have food, but you don't really feel like you have food. Some days I'll only eat one meal, figuring day by day what you feel you can eat and still have food left until you're going to get more. Sometimes I'm eating toast or, or peanut butter on bread. If I have eggs, I eat the eggs. You know, Sometimes it's dry cereal because I have no money for milk. It's, and that's one of the things that you get tired of having the same thing over and over. Am I going to have toast? Am I going to have pasta? Am I going to have cereal? Right now I have some soup. But when I don't have the soup, that's what it is. It's, it's toast, pasta, cereal. It's depressing. I thought I was doing great. You know, I was, I was going to all these places. I had found a neighbor across the street who took my kids um, on occasion so that I could go do all this running around. Sometimes I was, you know, riding with someone else or there was a time where I didn't have a car at all. So I was riding with other people and we were just going from place to place, from church to ser- a service agency, um, just, to, just so we could get enough food to get us through to the end of the month, which and uh, to the first so when we got our food, stamps, food stamp allotments. So are you, in a way, was... was- was getting enough food did that begin to feel like a full-time job it was it was all consuming it was all consuming because the last thing you want to hear is mommy I'm hungry I can't even tell you how devastating that is just it's just heartbreaking to know that you know I made those babies and I love them with everything that I have and they're hungry I, I I've been trying I've worked in different fields, you know, security, maintenance, and also granite sheds. And being in the granite sheds was the one I first did when I got out of school. And it was good up until about 2007, and then it just kind of fell apart because of automation, and my job was pretty much not needed. A machine would do my job. um, You know, um, I think, you know, as being a homeowner, because I've been a homeowner since 2001, and it's been, I mean, I would say that probably the first seven, eight years was probably good. But then since then, it's been an uphill battle, you know, between property taxes, the, the high, high school tax, that, that impacts everybody's well-being and, and where the next meal is going to come from. Because then, you know, I didn't have that amazingly nice paycheck. Gotcha. Yeah. Ignore that. That's uh, one of the creditors. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Stressful. (laughs) It is. You know, I've been having to use the funds to satisfy these people. The creditors? The creditors, you know, and and not, say, buy food. What do you want to have happen? Well... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all in fair gainness of somebody being rich and, and they made their money and, and, and that's okay. But I also fear, I feel that, you know, it comes down to the God aspect of things and, and be sharing. I, I, I would feel that there shouldn't be this cross between different avenues of life. In other words, you should not have your poverty, you should not have your middle class, 
and you should not have the, 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 the high rich crash. It should be, it should be more even. A lot of homes around here had gardens. I used to carry a salt shaker with me and grab the ripe tomatoes or pick the cucumbers and eat those. Farmer can't realize if you went out and picked a bushel of his corn when he's got how many acres he has of it. You know, apples grow on trees. The money doesn't. <laughs> and being a Vermonter, we always had our fishing poles and we had our guns to go hunting. Yeah, Me and my brothers would go hunting squirrel. We'd have squirrel stew for a week. My friends would buy me chips and cookies and stuff, and I'd put them in my backpack so I'd have something to eat at night when I got home. So, yeah, it was rough. The ritzy people, you know, they, they brought in all their <laughs> their fun treats and <laughs> good-looking food and stuff, but... <laughs> I want that. I want to know how to get that, you know. But. Always food if you're, if you're able to go out and fish, you know. <laughs> It's like the Bible says, you know, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach him to fish, you feed him for a life. But now you can't afford to buy a fishing license. <laughs> there came a time where, to, in order to receive benefits, you had to get a, at least a part-time job. And I wasn't against getting a job. I just had no work skills. Um, I didn't even have a high school diploma because remember I said that I dropped out of high school so I could help my mom when my father passed away. I didn't have a high school diploma. So you had to get a part-time job? I had to get a part-time job. I didn't have any daycare, so I had to look for daycare providers. And I can't even tell you the night, I can tell you about the nightmares that I had with that also, trying to find a daycare provider. And I was having, I was struggling. I found a job. They, they sent me to a couple places. I did, I found a part-time job. And, um, and I started making money, but they started taking benefits away. So I was bringing money into the house, but then my benefits were getting less and less because I was making money. So I never really got ahead. It's, it's like they, they make you go to work and it's minimum wage, you know, because you don't have any experience or you don't even have a high school diploma. So you're making minimum wage. And then they start taking away your food stamps. You weren't making it on the food stamps you were already getting. So that balances itself out. Are you getting ahead? No. You were still struggling. We were still food deficient during the month. It never got you from the first to the first. And all I was concerned about at the time was, of course, you know, getting a job, paying your bills, this kind of thing, but was making sure that the kids weren't going to go hungry. My kids went hungry for all the way through high school. There were times when my older kids were in high school and they didn't, I didn't have lunch money to give them. And they went without lunch. My husband was an alcoholic. And the first thing that came in the house was his beer. And I had a daycare. And I was trying to feed my daycare kids. You were, you were running a daycare? I was running a daycare out of my home. And it was... Was your husband working also? Oh, my husband was working at the hospital, yep. So he was working and you were working, but you didn't have enough money to buy enough there wasn't. There wasn't enough money for the food, and I, yeah, I was doing daycare, but a lot of the times the parents weren't paying daycare because they didn't have money. 
I started bringing, having the kids bring in their own lunches because food was really not there. And so they'd bring in those hungry man's frozen dinner things. And I would take one of those freezer meals and microwave it, and I, it would get split up between four or five kids. And each of the other kids' meals that they came in with out of their lunchbox, I'd cut them all up in tiny pieces and spread them all out so everybody had everything of everybody else's food, but it wasn't enough to satisfy. Snack time was was really pitiful because I'd get a four-pack of of the chocolate pudding and I'd use a bait I'd have the kids all lined up and I'd have a baby spoon and I'd feed each kid one ba- baby food spoon of pudding and pretty much the four the four pack was gone kids were still hungry and it was hard and so I lived basically 15 years on chips and popcorn and hot tea bag of chips and soda is a meal and a lot of people don't go with that but when you're used to that as being your main meal it is a meal it's something how do you make food stretch do you have, do what do you know that other people don't know about how to make food last well for $21 that's supposed to last you a week doesn't really put a full day's meal on the table. If you go with your meat, your potato, your your fruit that they say that you've got to have to be healthy, you can't afford it because the money just isn't there. So I shop Dollar Tree and buy everything at the Dollar Tree store because everything's a dollar. And those Lunchable sandwiches, um, the Lunchables, if you take the ham and you use just the ham on your bread, you got a ham sandwich. If you use the cheese on bread, you've got the grilled cheese. With the peanut butter, if you got like Ritz crackers or saltine crackers, you can spread your peanut butter on the crackers and you got a meal. So you got three meals right there in one lunchable. But you got to spread. You got to realize that that one lunchable's got to save you three days or three meals for one day. And when I've been in the food shelves, I've ran across a lot of people that are retired and they have found that there's no money in retirement and they have to go to the food shelves and soup kitchens just to get by. I remember one lady I was having a conversation with and she's like I've worked all my life and I never dreamed I'd be here in a soup kitchen pawing through rotten fruits and veggies to find a good banana to, <laughs> to have with my cereal. We don't ask to be in this situation. It just, you wake up one day and you are in it. And then you're trying to play the game of life on how to survive. And that's all it is, is survival. We're all just a paycheck away from being homeless. We're all just a paycheck away from being without food, without being able to pay our bills, um, without going into foreclosure. You know, we're all just a paycheck away from that. And as a community, if we really pay attention to what's going on around us, we'll see that there's a family that needs a little extra help. 
How much does it cost to just take some stuff out of your pantry, put it in a bag and set it on a doorstep? Or just go knock on the door and introduce yourself, get to know them. I would have given anything for someone to just befriend me. And we should make sure that none of our kids are going hungry. And we should make sure that, you know, if we know someone that's looking for someone for a job and we know someone that's looking for a job, we make those connections. We can't just leave it up to the social services. We have to, as a community, work together to make sure that everyone's taken care of and some wonderful things can happen. This year, one in four Vermonters will go to a food shelf or a meal site at least once. And a lot of people will rely on this charitable food system every day. But the food shelves were not designed for this. They're there to help people during an emergency, a fire, a flood. And they're mostly run by volunteer ladies in their 60s and 70s. And the ladies say things are getting worse, that they can't keep up with the tide of people who can't make enough money to survive. And the ladies are getting tired, and they're wondering what will happen when they can't do it anymore. Music for this show is by my friend Mike D'Onofrio. During production of this show, I interviewed Lisa Pitcher, who runs Our Place, a community center and food shelf down in Bellows Falls. You can find a rough assembly of this interview on the show page for this show. Just go to rumblestripvermont.com and then click on this show and you'll find it there. I want to thank Lisa Pitcher, Mark Davis, Judy Sturmer, Evie Lovett, Pam Smart, the great people at the Unitarian Church in Montpelier, and all the people who agreed to talk with me for this show. I would love to hear your comments. Your comments are part of the point. You'll find a comment box at the bottom of the show page at rumblestripvermont.com. And if you want to make a comment on iTunes, that would be great. It helps new listeners find the show. If you want to make a donation, that would also be great. You'll find a green donate button on the website, rumblestripvermont.com. Rumblestrip Vermont is a proud member of The Herd, a collective of independent podcast producers from all over the country. One of these fine producers is Jonathan Hirsch, who makes a show out of Los Angeles called Arrivals. Here's a clip from a recent show called Border Junkie, about a truck driver from Hartford, Connecticut, who became a heroin addict and lived on the streets in Juarez in the late 90s. What is El Paso is a poor people's community. Poor people have their own niche here and and uh, you can survive with money you can survive without money down here uh, if, if you know how you can subscribe to arrivals on iTunes which is spelled a r r v l s or just go to theherdradio.com and you can find his show that way I'm Erica Heilman thanks a lot for listening <laughs>